Chapter 31 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. Now, daughters, I still want to describe this prayer of quiet to you in the way that I have heard it talked about, and as the Lord has been pleased to teach it to me, perhaps in order that I might describe it to you. It is in this kind of prayer, as I have said, that the Lord seems to me to begin to show us that he is hearing our petition. He begins to give us his kingdom on earth, so that we may truly praise him and hallow his name and strive to make others to do so likewise. This is a supernatural state, and however hard we try, we cannot reach it for ourselves. For it is a state in which the soul enters into peace, or rather, in which the Lord gives it peace through his presence, as he did to the just man Simeon. In this state, all the faculties are stilled. The soul, in a way which has nothing to do with the outward senses, realizes that it is now very close to its God, and that, if it were but a little closer, it would become one with him through union. This is not because it sees him either with its bodily or with its spiritual eyes. The just man Simeon saw no more than the glorious infant, a poor little child, who, to judge from the swaddling clothes in which it was wrapped, and from the small number of the people whom he had as a retinue to take him up to the temple, might well have been the son of these poor people rather than the son of his heavenly father. But the child himself revealed to him who he was. Just so, though less clearly, does the soul know who he is. It cannot understand how it knows him, yet it sees that it it is in the kingdom, or at least is near to the king who will give it the kingdom. And it feels such reverence that it dares to ask nothing. It is, as it were, in a swoon, both inwardly and outwardly, so that the outward man, let me call it the body, and then you will understand me better, does not wish to move, but rests, like one who has almost reached the end of his journey, so that it may the better start again upon its way, with redoubled strength for its task. The body experiences the greatest delight, and the soul is conscious of a deep satisfaction. So glad is it to merely find itself near the fountain that, even before it has begun to drink, it has had its fill. There seems nothing left for it to desire. The faculties are stilled and have no wish to move, for any movement they may make appears to hinder the soul from loving God. They are not completely lost, however, since two of them, being free, they realize in whose presence they are. It is the will that is in captivity now. And if while this state is capable of experiencing any pain, the pain comes when it realizes that it will have to resume its liberty. The mind tries to occupy itself with only one thing, and the memory has no desire to busy itself with more. They both see that this is the one thing needful and that anything else will unsettle them. Persons in this state prefer the body to remain motionless, for otherwise their peace would be destroyed. 
For this reason, they dare not stir. Speaking is a distress to them. They will spend a whole hour on a single repetition of the Patronoster. They are so close to God that they know they can make themselves understood by signs. They are in the palace, near to their king, and they see that he is already beginning to give them his kingdom on earth. Sometimes tears come to their eyes, but they weep very gently and quite without distress. Their whole desire is the hallowing of this name. They seem not to be in the world and have no wish to see or hear anything but their God. Nothing distresses them, nor does it seem that anything can possibly do so. In short, for as long as this state lasts, they are so overwhelmed and absorbed by the joy and delight which they experience that they can think of nothing else to wish for and will gladly say with St. Peter, Lord, let us make here three mansions. Occasionally, during this prayer of quiet, God grants the soul another favor, which is hard to understand if one has not had a long experience of it. But any of you who have had this will at once recognize it, and it will give you great comfort to know what it is. I believe God often grants this favor together with the other. When this quiet is felt in a high degree and lasts for a long time, I do not think that if the will were not made fast to something, the peace could be for such a long duration. Sometimes it goes on for a day or for two days, and we find ourselves, I mean those who experience this state, full of this joy without understanding the reason. They see clearly that their whole self is not in what they are doing, but that the most important faculty is absent, namely the will which I think is united with its God, and that the other faculties are left free to busy themselves with his service. For this, they have much more capacity at such a time, though when attending to worldly affairs they are dull and sometimes stupid. It is a great favor which the Lord grants to these souls, for it unites the active life with the contemplative. At such times they serve the Lord in both these ways at once. The will, while in contemplation, is working without knowing how it does so. The other two faculties are serving him as Martha did. Thus Martha and Mary were together. I know someone to whom the Lord often granted this favor. She could not understand it and asked a great contemplative about it. He told her that what she described was quite possible and it happened to himself. I think, therefore, that as the soul experiences such satisfaction in this prayer of quiet, the will must be almost continuously united with him who alone can give it happiness. I think it will be well, sisters, if I give some advice here to any of you whom the Lord, out of his goodness alone, has brought to this state, as I know that this has happened to some of you. First of all, when such persons experience this joy, without knowing whence it has come to them, but knowing at least that they could not have achieved it themselves, they are tempted to imagine that they can prolong it and that they may even try not to breathe. This is ridiculous. We can no more control this prayer than we can make the day break or stop night from falling. 
It is supernatural and something we cannot acquire. The most we can do to prolong this favor is to realize that we can neither diminish nor add to it, but by being most unworthy and undeserving of it, can only receive it with thanksgiving. And we can best give thanks, not with many words, but by lifting up our eyes, like the publican. It is well to seek greater solitude so as to make room for the Lord and allow his majesty to do his own work in us. The most we should do is occasionally, and quite gently, to utter a single word, like a person giving a little puff to a candle when he sees it has almost gone out, so as to make it burn again. Though, if it were fully lit, I suppose the only result of blowing it would be to put it out. I think the puff would be a gentle one, because if we begin to tax our brains by making up long speeches, the will may become active again. Note carefully, friends, this piece of advice which I want to give you now. You will often find that these other two faculties are of no help to you. It may come about that the soul is enjoying the highest degree of quiet and that the understanding has soared so far aloft that what is happening to it seems not to be going on in its own house at all. It really seems to be a guest in somebody else's house, looking for other lodgings, since its own lodging no longer satisfies it, and it cannot remain there for long together. Perhaps this is only my experience, and other people do not find it so. But speaking for myself, I sometimes long to die, because I cannot cure this wandering of the mind. At other times, the mind seems to be settled in its own abode and to be remaining there with the will as its companion. When all three faculties work together, it is wonderful. The harmony is like that between husband and wife. If they are happy and love each other, both desire the same thing. But if the husband is unhappy in his marriage, he soon begins to make the wife restless. Just so, when the will finds itself in the state of quiet, it must take no more notice of the understanding than it would of a madman, for if it tries to draw the understanding along with it, it is bound to grow preoccupied and restless, with the result that this state of prayer will be all effort and no gain, and the soul will lose what God has been giving it without any effort of its own. Pay great attention to the following comparison which the Lord suggested to me when I was in this state of prayer, and which seems to me very appropriate. The soul is like an infant still at its mother's breast. Such is the mother's care for it that she gives it its milk, without having to ask for it so much as by moving its lips. That is what happens here. The will simply loves and no effort needs to be made by understanding, for it is the Lord's pleasure that without exercising its thought, the soul should realize that it is in his company and should merely drink the milk with which his majesty puts in its mouth and enjoy its sweetness. The Lord desires it to know that it is he who is granting it that favor and that in its enjoyment of it, he too rejoices. 
But it is not his will that the soul should try to understand how it is enjoying it or what it is enjoying. It should lose all thought of itself, and he who is at its side will not fail to see what is best for it. If it begins to strive with its mind so that the mind may be apprised of what is happening and thus induced to share in it, it will be quite unable to do so. And the soul will perforce lose the milk and forgo the divine sustenance. This state of prayer is different from that in which the soul is wholly united with God, for in the latter state it does not even swallow its nourishment. The Lord places this within it, and it has no idea how. But in this state, it even seems to be his will that the soul should work a little, though so quietly that it is hardly conscious of doing so. What disturbs it is the understanding, and this is not the case when there is union of all three faculties, since he who created them suspends them, He keeps them occupied with the enjoyment that he has given them, without their knowing or being able to understand the reason. Anyone who has had an experience of this kind of prayer will understand quite well what I am saying, if, after reading this, she considers it carefully and thinks out its meaning. Otherwise, it will be Greek to her. Well, as I say, The soul is conscious as of having reached the state of prayer, which is a quiet, deep, and peaceful happiness of the will, without being able to decide precisely what it is, although it can clearly see how it differs from the happiness of the world. To have dominion over the whole world with all its happiness would not suffice to bring the soul such inward satisfaction as it enjoys now in the depths of its will. For other kinds of happiness in life, it seems to me, touch only the outward part of the will, which we might describe as its rind. When one of you finds herself in this sublime state of prayer, which, as I have already said, is almost markedly supernatural, and the understanding, or to put it more clearly, the thought, wanders off after the most ridiculous things in the world, she should laugh at it and treat it as the silly thing it is, and remain in her state of quiet. For thoughts will come and go, but the will is mistress, and all-powerful, and will recall them without your having to trouble about it. But if you try to drag the understanding back by force, you lose your power over it, which comes from your taking and receiving that divine sustenance, and neither will nor understanding will gain, but both will be losers." There is a saying that if we try very hard to grasp all, we lose all. And so I think it is here. Experience will show you the truth of this, and I shall not be surprised if those of you who have none think this very obscure and unnecessary. But as I have said, if you only have a little experience of it, you will understand it and be able to profit by it, and you will praise the Lord by being pleased to enable me to explain it. Let us now conclude by saying that when the soul is brought to this state of prayer, it would seem that the Eternal Father has already granted its petition that he will give it his kingdom on earth. O blessed request, in which we ask for so great a good without knowing what we do! 
blessed manner of asking. It is for this reason, sisters, that I want us to be careful how we say this prayer, the Paternoster, and all other vocal prayers, and what we ask for in them. For clearly, when God has shown us this favor, we shall have to forget worldly things, all of which the Lord of the world has come and cast out. I do not mean that everyone who experiences the prayer of quiet must be forced to be detached from everything in the world, but at least I should like all such persons to know what they lack and to humble themselves, and not to make so great a petition as though they were asking for nothing, and if the Lord gives them what they ask for, to throw it back in his face. They must try to become more and more detached from everything otherwise they will only remain where they are. If God gives a soul such pledges, it is a sign that he has great things in store for it. It will be of its own fault if it does not make great progress. But if he sees that after he has brought the kingdom of heaven into its abode, it returns to earth, not only will he refrain from showing it the secrets of his kingdom, but he will grant it this other favor only for short periods and rarely. I may be mistaken by this, but I have seen it, and I know that it happens. And for my own part, I believe that this is why spiritual people are not much more numerous. They do not respond to so great a favor in a practical way. Instead of preparing themselves to receive this favor again, they take back from the Lord's hands the will which he considered his own and center it upon base things. So he seeks out others who love him in order to grant them his greater gifts, although he will not take away all that he has given from those who live in purity of conscience. But there are persons, and I have been with one of them, to whom the Lord gives tenderness of devotion and holy inspirations and light on everything. He bestows this kingdom on them and brings them to this prayer of quiet, and yet they deafen their ears to his voice, for they are so fond of talking and of repeating a large number of vocal prayers in a great hurry, as though they were anxious to finish their task of repeating them daily, that when the Lord, as I say, puts his kingdom into their very hands by giving them this prayer of quiet and this inward peace, they do not accept it, but think that they will do better to go on reciting their prayers, which only distract them from their purpose. Do not be like that, sisters but be watchful when the Lord grants you this favor. Think what a great treasure you may be losing and realize that you are doing much more by occasionally repeating a single petition of the Paternoster than by repeating the whole of it many times in a hurry and not thinking of what you are saying. He to whom you are praying is very near to you and will not fail to hear you and you may be sure that you are truly praising him and hallowing his name, since you are glorifying the Lord as a member of his household and praising him with increasing affection and desire, so that it seems you can never forsake his service. So I advise you to be very cautious about this, for it is of the greatest importance.